Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of The Law of Self-Defense. And no sooner do I start the show than something starts beeping in the office, but it stopped. So, welcome to today's episode of The Law of Self-Defense. In fact, a bonus show, uh, impromptu, um, because a video just came across my desk that I thought important enough, perhaps viral enough, to be worth discussing with the Law of Self-Defense community right away uh, before we do our regularly scheduled noon Eastern time show, which is going to look at a uh, court decision, a court order involving the unconstitutionality of the federal government's ban on firearms in post offices. But that'll happen in about half an hour. This is the impromptu show about the bodega shooting. Many of you may have seen the video on uh, Twitter or elsewhere. You're going to be seeing it during the show. It's going to be a quick show. There's not that that much to say about it, but there's uh, obviously a lot of interest in it. So I am, of course, attorney Andrew Branker for Law and Self-Defense. Thank you. Thank you so much. And given our time constraints, let's jump right into today's show. All right, so what do we have? We have this bodega shooting. Before I do that, of course, today's show was sponsored by none other than Law of Self-Defense in the form of our best-selling book, The Law of Self-Defense Principles, your handbook to being hard to convict if you're ever compelled to defend yourself, your family, your property from criminal predation. Check it out on Amazon. Five-star rating, bestseller in its category, but don't buy it on Amazon. They'll charge you for the book and shipping and handling. We'll give you the book for free. We only ask you to cover the cost of shipping the book to you. You can get this at lawofselfdefense.com slash free book. Easy enough to remember, lawofselfdefense.com slash free book. And now we can talk about this bodega shooting. So I have the video here. Rewind it to the beginning. What we're going to see is two men having an apparent argument. At the bar there, the man in the red shirt is going to have a bad day. Uh, He's uh, arguing with the man wearing the baseball hat. And the man in the red shirt's about to pull a gun and effectively give the gun to the guy he's arguing with, who will use the gun to end this argument. So let's go. Let me make it a little bigger here. There we go. Uh, by the way, you'll notice a lot of people holding their ears late in this video because guns are loud. Guns are super loud, especially indoors like this. So let's go ahead again. It's the man in the red shirt there. You see someone else putting a, a placating hand on a shoulder and the man in the baseball hat's looking back at him and things escalate from there. So here's that video. Let's try that again. There's no audio. Red shirt goes for a gun. Right there, takes it out, punch, 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 and suddenly he has no gun. The other dude's got the gun. Bang, 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 bang. Lots of shots. And so the question is, can this be lawful self-defense? And as often happens in these kinds of dynamic cases, uh, the answer is both yes and no. Part of this is lawful self-defense. Part of it is not. 
because we're dealing here with, uh, well, of course, all the elements of self-defense. The most critical one here is the element of imminence. And of course, the nature of the elements, whether or not they are satisfied, can vary over the dynamic course of a fight. And sometimes during this fight, they are satisfied for purposes of the guy wearing the baseball hat. And at other times, they're not. So let's move through here. So we have this verbal argument. Do we see anything here that would justify the man in the red shirt lawfully going to a gun to defend himself? There's not even blows being thrown by the man in the hat. There's certainly no weapons being displayed by the man in the hat. And frankly, I almost feel like the guy in the red shirt pulls the gun as an intimidation tactic because he doesn't immediately start shooting with it. Why would you do that if you thought it was legally justified to pull the gun in the first place? So I would suggest what we have here is a non-deadly force confrontation, maybe mutual combat in a non-deadly sense, just verbally. And red shirt, ironically enough, a red shirt, right? If you know the Star Trek reference, uh, red shirt escalates that non-deadly fight to a deadly force fight. Right there, the elbow comes up. And a moment later, we can see, and and he's, whoops, we can see the gun at his side. Now he's holding the gun at his side. So it seems to me this is a, who you talking to tactic, which works out imprudently because the guy in the baseball hat immediately goes on, well, not really the offensive, goes on the defensive. Is the guy in the baseball hat facing is he reasonably perceiving an imminent threat of unlawful deadly force harm? Because those are the elements, right? Innocence, imminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. Who's the unlawful deadly force aggressor here? Well, it's the guy in the red shirt. So innocence is checked off for baseball hat. Imminence. Is the threat here imminent? Is there ability, opportunity, jeopardy? Yeah, sure. Guy standing there with a gun a foot away. Uh, proportionality. What's the degree, the intensity of threat being defended against? Well, it's a deadly force threat that would justify the use of deadly force in self-defense. That's the proportionality, deadly force to deadly force. What about the element of avoidance? Well, I, I expect this didn't even happen in the U.S., but of course, as always, we pretend it is. Let's pretend it happened in a jurisdiction, one of the 11, that does impose a legal duty to retreat. Um, well, that duty is only imposed if retreat is possible with complete safety. When this baseball hat's backed up against the bar and he's facing a gun from a foot away, is he going to outrun a bullet? No. So avoidance is not practically possible here with complete safety, and therefore the duty would not apply, and we have the element of avoidance in favor of baseball hat. And reasonableness, is this reasonably perceived as a gun, or is he speculating the presence of a gun? No, that's a gun. We'll see it. And of course, it ends up getting fired, not in the way that was anticipated by Redshirt. So reasonableness is also checked off for baseball hat. So at this moment, say baseball hat had his own pistol and pulled it and shot Redshirt with his own gun. Perfectly lawful, deadly force, self-defense. So Baseball hat doesn't have his own gun. So what does he do instead? Well, he uses his fists. He starts striking red shirt. 
pretty good. And then there's a struggle here, and we can't really see what's happening on the other side of Redshirt's body. We know he has a gun in his hand. He gets knocked to the ground. Pretty good sweep there. But we can see right there, the right hand of Redshirt is empty. He has lost his gun. Where'd it go? Well, it turns out it went into the hand of Mr. Baseball Hat. He managed to strip the gun away, knocks this guy to the ground, and he's got the gun in his right hand. Baseball Hat has the gun in his right hand right there. Can he shoot now? Well, I would argue, yes, because if two men are fighting over a gun, you can shoot the other fellow off your gun. And this is now Baseball Hat's gun. So to the extent Redshirt is getting back up, attempting to get back up, he's still in the fight. He's prepared to come back and engage and fight over that gun. And if that's the case, you might just get shot lawfully, like right there. Let's see if I can catch it. It's hard. And oh, oh, there was. So it looks to me like Redshirt is still struggling to get up, and that's when he takes the first shot to the ground. I would argue we still have a pretty robust case of self-defense here because even though Redshirt's been disarmed, he has not stopped fighting. And if he's fighting, he's fighting for the gun. The trouble is, baseball hat doesn't stop here. That's the difficulty. So that's shot number one. Shot number two, a little more questionable. Let's see. Now Redshirt's kind of rolling onto his side. Now his back is to baseball hat. Shot number three. That one, that one is going to be super hard to justify. Now, now there is a reaction time gap. So you might say that Baseball Hat had made the decision to shoot three quarters of a second earlier and it was just taking his brain time to catch up to the changed circumstance because what's happened now? Well, if Redshirt's no longer in the fight, he's no longer presenting as an imminent deadly force threat, well, then the window of imminence is closed. As we often talk about, imminence can be thought of as a window. There's a time when it opens We have ability, opportunity, jeopardy. We have an imminent threat during which, assuming the other elements of self-defense have been met, you can use that deadly force in self-defense. But then the circumstances can change such that the window of imminence has closed. And your privilege to use deadly force in self-defense has ended. Now, again, there's a reaction gap, typically six-tenths, seven-tenths of a second, something along those lines. So maybe the shot could be forgiven after all the defenders not seeing this in a frame by frame manner like we are and this is at about 12 seconds in from this point on however it's pretty incontestable that the red shirt guy is completely out of the fight is no longer presenting as a deadly force threat and what does baseball hat do blam blam Blam, blam. So at least four more times he shoots Redshirt when Redshirt is clearly immobile and out of the fight. Those are going to be very difficult to explain away as lawful self-defense. Now, does that mean that this is murder in intentional killing? 
Well, what I would argue, if self-defense is not going to fly, is that this is an intentional killing, but it's not murder. That it should be mitigated down to manslaughter because of the heat of passion. The two men were in a fight. The blood is hot. And that's what voluntary manslaughter is. Voluntary manslaughter is the use of force against another person. When you you do mean to do it, it's not an accident. It's not merely reckless. Uh, But you did it in the heat of passion under which the law says you could not have formed the specific intent required for murder. So we'll murder what would have been, uh, we'll mitigate what would have been murder down to manslaughter. And that's what I expect this would qualify as as a voluntary manslaughter killing, which is not great. Manslaughter with a gun, still good 10 to 20 years, but you may be eligible for parole. You may get out in a third of that minimum sentence, do three, four years, and you're back out, still have a life. Murder would be typically life without possibility of early release. So manslaughter sucks, except if the alternative would be a murder conviction. Now, I know that there are many people out there watching this right now who would like to live in a world where we say, hey, if you pull a gun on someone unlawfully, they get to do whatever they want after that. You effed around and you found out. But we don't live in that world, folks. That's not what the law actually is. Maybe you'd like the law to be that way. Maybe you should contact your legislators and have that be the law. But that's not what the law allows. The law allows you to defend yourself while there is an imminent threat to your life. Not simply kill someone after you've made them helpless. And that's what I wanted to discuss. So with that, we are at the Q&A portion of the show, which means we're going to cut off the public streams on YouTube, Twitter, and Rumble. Um, And we are going to only live stream to the Law of Self-Defense members on the Law of Self-Defense member dashboard. So if you'd like to stay with us for that, if you'd like any of the member benefits of participating in the Q&A at the end of every show or getting a transcript of every show that we provide for members or having access to the original videos that we show and court decisions and so forth, you can become a Law of Self-Defense member instantly right now for 99 cents at lawofselfdefense.com slash trial. That's a two-week trial membership for 99 cents, unlimited member access to our content. And after the two weeks, it's still dirt cheap to be a Law of Self-Defense member. It's only about 30 cents a day, less than $10 a month to be a Law of Self-Defense member. Try it out at least for two weeks for 99 cents, folks. That's not much. Lawofselfdefense.com slash trial. Now, if you are a Law of Self-Defense member, don't go anywhere. In about 20 seconds, we'll be back live streaming just to all of you. Here we go. (laughs) 